Welcome to installment 309 of Sefer Mitzvahs from the Rambam. In today's portion we will conclude our discussion of Positive Commandment 246, the law of Tain Venitin regarding the settlement of financial disputes, and we will begin our discussion of Positive Commandment 248, the law of inheritance. As we have been discussing the last few days, Positive Commandment 246 covers all different types of disagreements about monetary matters that could occur between one person and another. And any time there is disagreement or contradiction in the claims, the settlement of these claims is governed by this law known as Tain Venitin of a claimant and a defendant. The biblical source for this commandment is in the book of Exodus chapter 22 verse 8 which states, I'll call Dvar Pesha on any type of suspected dishonesty. And the verse continues and states, that the defendant claims that this is it. And as the Mechilta explains, this is it means a person is made in Mikzas. He partially admits the claim against him. He says, this is it. This is all I owe you and not the full amount that you have demanded. For example, if one person has claimed a hundred dollars from another one, that the person owes him a hundred dollars, and the defendant says, no, I only owe you fifty, he has been made to bemictus, he has partially agreed to the claim. And the Torah tells us that he must take an oath, by a biblically required oath, in order to absolve himself of financial responsibility for the remaining fifty dollars. Therefore, he would pay the fifty which he agreed that he owes, and have to take an oath, holding a Torah scroll, that he and swear that he does not owe the other fifty dollars, and only then would he be exempt. This is only one of the many laws involving the oaths and the various ways in which litigation is settled, according to Talmudic law. The sources in Talmud for these laws are found in the third chapter of Baba Kama, chapters 1 and 8 of Baba Metziah, 5 through 7 of Shavuos, as well as many places scattered throughout the Talmud. Positive commandment number 248 is the commandment governing the settling of all cases of inheritance. In general, the inheritance of a man goes to his son, or is split among the sons. But the biblical derivation of this, the Rambam traces back to the book of Numbers, chapter 27, verse 8, which discusses the daughters of Tzlovchad. Tzlovchad had died with only daughters and had no sons. Since there were no sons for the inheritance to pass over to, the daughters of Tzlovchad were afraid that his belongings would pass out of the tribe. Since we know the land of Israel is split up according to the, in proportion to the number of members of each of the Shvatim, each of the tribes, the daughters of Tzlovchad were afraid that their family would lose out of a portion in the land of Israel since there were no male members to inherit their father. Therefore they came with their claim to Moses. And Moses, being unable to settle the matter, went to Hashem. And Hashem answered, Ish ki yomus. If a person dies, vain ain lay, and he has no son. And the Rambam quotes only the beginning of this verse to indicate to us that the entire portion, the entire paragraph, is relevant to the laws of inheritance. And the law continues that if he has no son, as it says in the Chumash, then the daughters inherit. If there are no daughters, then the man's brothers inherit. And the chain of inheritance goes on and on 
determining who has priority in the law of inheritance. There's another detail of the laws of inheritance mentioned in the Chumash in the book of Deuteronomy. This is that a firstborn son receives a larger portion of the inheritance than the other brothers. In fact, he receives Pishnayim, a double portion of the inheritance. This, says the Rambam, also comes under the category of the laws of Yerusha, the laws of inheritance. And therefore, it is certain that this is included in this commandment 248 and is not a separate commandment. The Ramban, Nachmanides, however, does count this as a separate commandment. Of the, of, however, the Rambam states unequivocally that this is not a separate commandment but part of the laws of inheritance. The details of this commandment are described in the 8th and 9th chapters of the Talmudic tractate Baba Basra. Since, as we mentioned, this positive commandment is the final of the 248 positive commandments, the Rambam has some concluding remarks which are relevant to the entire Sefer HaMitzvah and in particular to the positive commandments. The Rambam tells us how he picked the references to Talmud which he brings down for each particular commandment. They are only the main references and where the majority of laws are found. However, for example, in today's Positive Commandment 248, he mentioned the 8th and ninth chapters of Baba Basra. However, not every single question or law relating to the laws of inheritance is found in these particular places. In general, questions regarding these particular, any particular category are found in other places in the Talmud as well. Therefore, the Rambam's list cannot be taken as a complete or definitive list. The Rambam then speaks more generally about the positive commandments and tells us that they can be split into six separate categories. The first category is commandments which are only applicable to a congregation and not to individuals. These congregational responsibilities are, for example, building the Beis HaMikdash or appointing a king or wiping out the descendants of a Malik. Individuals are not commanded. Rather, the community as a whole has this commandment. A second category are commandments which apply to an individual, but only if a certain event happens to him or if he does a certain thing. For example, in the laws of sacrifices, if someone doesn't act unintentionally, a certain prohibition unintentionally, he must bring a korban shegeg, something done unintentionally. Or if he came, if there came upon him the condition known as a zav, an unnatural emission, upon conclusion of his purification period, he also must bring a korban zav. But possibly a person could go through his entire life and not do an act which he, for which he has to bring the sacrifice and never could become a Zav. And therefore not necessarily will the second category be fulfilled in a person's lifetime. So to the third category. These are the positive commandments which have different areas of law involved in them. There are laws governing treatment of a Jewish slave or an Amevri, a female maidservant, a non-Jewish slave. Also governing different sorts of watchmen, an unpaid watchman, or a borrower, and their, and their corresponding financial responsibilities. However, it could be a person will never be brought into such a situation where he will be under the control of these laws. Therefore, he will possibly never fulfill these commandments as well.
And so to the fourth category, this is a category of commandments which only apply during the times of the temple. For example, the sacrifices of Riya or Chagiga, which are presented when one makes pilgrimage to the temple for the holidays, or Hakel, the bringing together of all the people and collecting them at the base of Mikdash in order to hear the reading of the Torah. Since presently the temple is not built, we are unable to fulfill these laws as well. The fifth category is also only a dependent form of mitzvah. These things are dependent on a person's financial status. For example, we have the laws of Meiser, giving a tenth of one's crops, or Truma, to the Kohen, or Matnas Kahuna, different gifts being given to the Kohen, and Matnas Anim, gifts being given to the poor, such as Leket, the sheaves of wheat which have been dropped, shikha, those which have been forgotten, peret and eilules, which were grapes which were dropped at the time of harvest, and pay at the corner of the field. All of these commandments are only applicable if one has a farm, and if one has this land and these crops. And therefore it's possible a person will never own these things, and therefore never come to a situation where he must fulfill these mitzvahs. The Rambam mentions parenthetically that the law of tzedakah, of giving charity, is not included here. Although in general it is, dis it is discussed together with the laws of matanus and neem, gifts to the poor. The reason that charity is not in this category is because everyone must fulfill the commandment of giving charity. As the law is that even the poorest person also must give charity. Even if he himself is taking charity, he still must give charity. Therefore, charity, tzedakah, would come under the sixth and final category of commandment. These are commandments which the Rambam terms mitzvahs hechrochies, mitzvahs which must be fulfilled. These mitzvahs are obligatory upon a person no matter what time, what time period he lives in, and what place he lives, and what situation he finds himself in. These are mitzvahs such as tzitzis, wearing the fringes, tefillin, putting on the phylacteries, and observance of the laws of Shabbos. The Rambam then makes a total count of all of these obligatory mitzvahs and comes with a total of 60. However, these only apply if it's a full-grown person and if he lives the life of a majority of people, what we would call a normal life, an average form of life. For example, he owns a house and lives in a city. He has a, natu a normal diet that he eats meat and he eats bread and he is a businessman and he's married and he has children. Such a person will have 60 commandments, which the Rambam now enumerates. Since the Rambam lists them, we will, we will repeat the Rambam's list of commandments, which are as the obligatory commandments. They are 1 through 9, 15, 19, 32, 44, 73, 94, 143, 146, 147, 149, 150, 152, 154 through 160, 162 through 167, 172, 175, 184, 195, 197, 206. 6 through 211 and 213. The Rambam now lists 14 commandments which are not obligatory upon women. Commandment 26 is, applies not even all to all men but only to male koanim. 214 and 215 are, can only be fulfilled by men. The commandment of circumcision and a commandment relating to a bridegroom. 
The remaining 11 are mitzvah shazman grama, which are dependent upon a certain time period for their fulfillment. These commandments are 10 through 14, 18, 161, 168 through 170, and number 212. All of these time-bound commandments are incumbent only upon a man and not a woman. The Rambam now gives us verses which we can use to help remember these key numbers. In the Song of Songs, chapter 6, verse 8, the verse states, Shishim Malaches. There are 60 queens. These are referring to the 60 obligatory positive commandments. In addition, the Rambam gives us signs to help remember which ones women are exempt from. In the book of Deuteronomy, chapter 32, verse 36, the verse states, Ozlas Yod, the hand has gone away, where Yod is the numerical value 14, meaning we have taken away these 14 commandments for women. In the book of Zechariah, chapter 9, verse 13, the verse states, Gam at bedam that you also, with the blood of your covenant, you, here in the feminine sense, bedam, with the numerical value of 46, berisech, this is your covenant. In other words, women have as their covenant, as their responsibility in the positive commandments, 46 mitzvahs. And with this, the Rambam concludes his discussion of the positive commandments. It is interesting to note in conclusion, therefore, that out of all of the 613 commandments, women are exempt only from 11 out of the 613.